I am just thrilled because we are going to talk about Jesus' parables. Yes, we are. My name is Sergio. I'm uh, the pastor here, one of the speakers, and I am um, actually started a series last week. This whole thing, uh, this year, we have this um, word about the kingdom and, and everything that we read with our Bible reading and just anything that you read, if you're, if you're on the chronological Bible reading plan with us, if you're not, it would be great if you joined us uh, as we read through the whole Bible in chronological order. But we're just filtering everything through the kingdom lens. And I'm telling you, man, when you start filtering things through the kingdom lens, your world and your mind expands because it kind of takes the focus off of you and kind of like includes what God is doing around the world. Maria and I, we were in Florida this past week enjoying the sun as you guys were freezing in the rain. And so uh, I was praying that it wouldn't snow because I would miss the snow. Then we'd have to come back and Maria would be upset. And then we'd have some marital issues that we'd have to go and work out. Uh, so it didn't snow, which is good. And so we're here and now it can snow. So there you go. Um, but we were at, at a conference in, in Orlando called The Sand. And it was, it was such a great kingdom perspective for, for me specifically, just watching like over 60,000 people in a stadium, open field stadium up to the heavens, just worshiping God. And not just let's sing a song, but I mean, some of the stuff that was going on, it was like a 10-hour thing from 10 in the morning all the way to 10 at night. And it was really cool to watch people just show up and kind of just, pr you know, pray and do their church thing. And then as the day kind of progressed, God showed up a little more and a little more and a little more. And then you see like these thousands of people just like giving it all to God, like laying it all down. And, and, and they were sharing about so, so much amazing aspects that's happening internationally. I mean, they have like huge agendas. And, um, and one of the things that they were even talking about was like being this generation that um, ends, um, that ends, what's, how do they, they, to end adoptions, like adoption clinics, like foster care, not even, what is it called, um, not abortion clinics, that, that's in and of itself, but the idea is basically is to, is to, as a church, if we come together collectively, we can actually adopt all of the unwanted kids, and they have like this million home plan that just, just like, like really sparked a lot of uh, people, a lot of like t even teenagers and young adults and singles in that auditorium. And a lot of people have committed to doing something in this generation. And what was beautiful, it, it was like the shift from, um, uh, from being inactive to being activated. And so, and I think it was so brilliant because it, was, it really brought in what God is doing around the globe in the kingdom concept. And it was just, it was so heartwarming. And it was so amazing. And I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you that you're not just showing up in my life only, but you're showing up in millions of people's lives across this nation and around the world. And whenever you're exposed to that, it really just kind of refuels you internally because you're like, God is just doing amazing things across the earth. And I love that. And I think we need to expose ourselves to that because if we don't, we are just going to limit God's action to our own lives. And that will be a very sad day if we limit God's action only to what God does in our life. But when you come together with other people, it stirs you up. And you're like, okay, God, you know, maybe I was inactive in certain areas of my life. And now I'm going to step in and be like, no, this is going to change. And it was really cool to watch 
all these young people get on fire uh, to, to like just really be, be used and be sent out by God to wherever, not just like missions overseas, but like specifically they were trying to even get into neighborhoods as well. And um, I, I just believe that, that something has stirred within our nation and with, the, with this generation. Um, and it's like, it's one of those things too when it comes down to abortion as well. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna touch it, but there's this, like, this movement to really end abortion in our lifetime. I mean, that is so, so powerful. Not just to have like some concept of one day. And I know maybe some of you had abortions here, so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but we will talk about this uh, subject really soon here. But I just think there's this amazing thing where God is breathing fresh life into America. And actually, there's a lot of missionaries coming to America to evangelize the Americans. I mean, all the places that we've sent missionaries and God showed up in there. We funded as a culture, as, as, a, as, as the church in America, we funded all these uh, missionaries and, and God revolutionized their lives. And now they're like, yeah, I think America's in, in desperation. So now they're coming back. And uh, just get ready for God to sweep this nation. Just get ready for God to sweep our communities and our cities. And I'm just blown away and excited by it. By it. So, but today I'm going to talk about kingdom uh, in the kingdom series, the parables of the kingdom, because this is what Jesus planted when he came here. This is what Jesus was so adamant about teaching and what he was doing. Every time he was teaching, every time he was uh, showing his power, he was just throwing seed, as we talked about last week, throwing seed, throwing seed. And in those areas where that seed took root, it grew into a garden, into the kingdom of God. And I think it is so powerful because it is happening, and we are witnessing these things happen. Today, I'm going to talk about the second portion of the parables. Uh, last, you know, uh, last week, we talked about the four soils, and this one that I want to talk about today, about the wheat and the tares, it's kind of it's tied in with the first one as well. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. And then we'll read 36 through 43 as well. So if you have Bible, and if you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. Matthew chapter 13. And Matthew chapter 13 is, um, is a known chapter for having a, like, a wealth of parables in the whole chapter and um, explanations to a couple of them, which is also fantastic because uh, then we get a glimpse into what Jesus was talking about. And as we talked before, Jesus spoke in parables um, he spoke regular for a while, and then he switched over to st and started talking in parables. And, and what we talked about last week is that parables are one of those things where it, it does two things kind of almost in opposite. If you're searching, it's going to help you understand and see stuff that you've never seen before and give you a glimpse into the kingdom of God. And if you think you know it all, it's actually going to take away from what the things that you think you know. So it's like it hides and reveals all at the same time. It all is a matter of perspective and where you are. And so um, with the Pharisees, they, were, they thought that they knew it all. So Jesus began to speak in a way where they were like, huh? We're confused. And the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, we're also confused, but can you tell us what this was about, what, what, what your parables mean? And, and I think, <laughs> I think that the, the, his disciples were probably frustrated. Because maybe, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, you got to think on human terms. Like, okay, why did, you know, why did come and they ask Jesus, you know, what it means, you know. And, and we think that they're maybe like so holy and so acute to Jesus' every word that they're like, we need to know, we need to know. But maybe, and this is just something to, to, to think about, maybe as Jesus spoke these parables, 
you know, Jesus is walking back, and people are following him, and his disciples are in the crowd, and maybe some of the crowd is, are asking his disciples, hey, what did your teacher mean by this and this and this? And they're sitting there like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then someone else, hey, John, what do you think Jesus meant by this? Because they can't probably get to Jesus. Everybody's trying to swarm around Jesus. So they're like, oh, the next best thing, the disciples. And probably the disciples got frustrated by the time they came to the house and everyone else was gone. They're like, Jesus, dude, you need to, you need to kind of like give us some sort of like advance notice so that we can help these people who are asking us be able to explain to them some of this stuff that you're talking about. So just my little uh, humanity uh, you know, portion of what might have triggered them asking. And it actually should should penetrate to us because when we have an when we have a question when we have a concern we should ask the one with the answers we really should because he has all the answers and it may take some searching some digging um, kind of like reading with reading through the bible in chronological order there's a lot of questions that arise but as you read through the whole thing a lot of these questions will be answered as we read through the whole thing and there will still will be some that won't be answered. So there's like a way that God will answer some of our questions. And I know we all have questions. I mean, I know we all have questions. And so don't hesitate to ask God. Uh, the other thing that parables do is that they, that they uh, use physical elements to talk about another uh, spiritual truth as well. So it's like a parallel that Jesus does. And so with this um, parable, it's very familiar to us probably as well if you've been in church You've read this and you've heard about this before, and we're just going to kind of nail a few things um, down in this parable. And just remember, think kingdom. Think kingdom. And the kingdom, for you if, you if you haven't been here, the kingdom of God appears and disappears. So what it does is it becomes reality, and it is manifested whenever a person or a group of people submit their lives under the rulership of King Jesus. And his presence begins to be manifested and, um, and it's an amazing thing when that happens. So uh, verse 24, he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. Okay, I'm going to pause. What we're going to do is uh, as we talk about these things, um, I'm just going to kind of talk about because Jesus actually you know what well let's just read through the whole thing but while people were sleeping his enemy came sowed weeds among the wheat and left verse 26 when the plants sprouted and produced grain then the weeds also appeared the landlord's servants came to him and said master didn't you sow good seed in your field then where did the weeds come from an enemy did this he told them so do you want us to go and pull them out? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. Um, now, if you skip over to verse 36, and this is what we were talking about earlier, then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And then Jesus gives an explanation here. He replied. And now, as we read this, 
reply and this explanation, just remember, when you read through the parables, through the rest of the gospel, use these, this explanation and the one uh, previous in the first, uh, first verse, the first nine verses in Matthew, what we talked about last week, about the four soils. Jesus explains these. So these are really great gauges for us whenever he talks about parables to see if there are some resemblances. Um, and as, as we'll see, it's, you know, it's not just always means the same thing. So you have to kind of search it out somewhat. But verse 37 says this. He replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. So we're talking about the owner. The one who's sowing is Jesus. He's the son of man. Verse 38. The field is the world. And the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom, and the weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the har harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered, and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the last verse. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. So I just want to highlight a few different, a few things about this uh, parable, because this is talking about the kingdom that God is building, which is not something that has happened, and it's not something that one day will happen. It's both and. He, Jesus initiated, he got it going, and we're living in it right now. And there's also going to be a time where the kingdom is going to be evident to everyone. And that is the day when every knee will bow and say, yes, Jesus is king. Don't let that be the first time you say Jesus is king. Let that be today. Let that be today where you make Jesus king over your life. So a few things I want to highlight. The sower and his field. Verse 24 we read. Jesus is the sower. And I love this because he did not give the responsibility to an angel or to his disciples. We're getting the seed straight from the source. And when you're getting your seed straight from the source, you know that the seed is going to be good. What you get from God is good because God is good, so what he gives you is good. Always. Now, certain times it may seem like it's not good, but remember you're not God. So don't conclude a story that's still unfolding. We also read that the field is the world. We also read that there was an owner, and the owner sowed the seed in his field. Some of you, and me as well, we have been maybe raised to believe or thought that maybe Jesus, you know, 
he gave, God created Adam and Eve, and he gave the world to Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve gave it to the devil, and so now the devil controls the world. No, everything on this earth is the owner, who is the son of man, Jesus, who is God. This is his field. Don't let anyone tell you that you are on Satan's territory. No, you are on God's territory. This earth and everything in it belongs to God, and he wants to give it to us. And I know that Adam and Eve, and we know this, that they've, that they've given that, their ownership and even their right to Satan. So Satan has dominion. Satan has areas where he controls. There's like the systems of the world that we are living in right now that it seems like Satan's in control. But know that even though Satan may have some elements, some things that he's controlling and manipulating, but at the end of the day, God is still the owner of it all. And because God is the owner of the field, he, and he's also the owner of the seed, he knows what kind of seed to put in his soil. Second thing that we see here, and this is pretty cool, and this is why we did the first parable last week. The seed in this parable does not represent God's word directly. But it does represent the God's word indirectly. What I mean by this is that we read earlier in chapter 13, the first few verses, about the soils and the seeds, right? And the seed in that parable represented God's word. That God's word is being spoken and the seed is being thrown. And if it takes root, the kingdom of God's be the kingdom of God begins to grow within us. And we talked about um, some of the soils last week. In this parable, the seed is not God's word, but it is people. It is the sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. And one thing to really note is that a lot of us want to be sent out by God to make a difference in this world. But before we can be sent out as sons of the king, his word has to be sown within our lives first. So the parable, it's kind of like a timetable. First, the king sows seed, and it falls on different soils, but whenever it falls on a, on a good soil, it begins to take root. And now when it begins to take root, we can go into it because something has been birthed and something is growing. And so God takes you, what he has sown into, what he has invested into, and then he takes you and sends you into the world, into the field. But he cannot send you unless the word has become alive and started growing within you. And that is the problem that we face in America. God's word is not truly alive and growing within us. And the reason is not that we're fake Christians. It's, it's actually the reason that we're more of churchgoers than Christ followers. So every time you brush with a person who's living contrary to scripture and they call themselves a Christian, you should correct them and say, you're probably a churchgoer. And if you're also in that state, you can say, just like me. But that is the biggest difference right now in our world is that there's a difference between a Christ follower and a church goer. And a lot of times we project who Jesus is and even get a glimpse of who Jesus is based on church goers and not on Christ followers. And church goers don't represent Christ well. 
Christ followers do. Because following Christ, becoming his disciple, that means that you become into the likeness of who your master is. It means that you mimic and you copy everything that you receive from the one that you're following. So before God sends you a seed, God has to send seed into you and you have to receive it in good and healthy soil within your heart first. And when God sows his seed into your heart, what happens is that you and I turn from being the sons of the evil one into the sons of the kingdom. Because there are two groups of people here. And I'm glad that Jesus made this very, very clear. Third thing that we see is that Jesus actually does send people. Sometimes we think that God's going to do something some way. So we lock ourselves up in a corner or in our closet, isolate ourselves, become alone, disconnect from people, and want God to show up in our life in a powerful way. Not realizing that maybe God is trying to send people to show up in your life through people. And it's very important that we connect with God first and foremost. Don't get me wrong. But what we're seeing here is that God doesn't do things mysteriously. He uses people. He sends people into the field. Right now in this day and age, God uses those who said yes to him to send them back into the world. And too many of us are sitting, waiting on something where God has already sent us. But we're still waiting for something. I love this because this shows clearly. And even at the end of, I think, Matthew or Mark, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. God is a sending God because he wants to expose his love and his kingdom, his peace and joy and hope to all people. God is a sending God. So Jesus sends people. The other thing that we, find, we, we also see is that the evil one also sends people. God uses people to reach and bless other people. Satan also uses people to undermine your blessing and to cast a shadow on you and to uproot, try to uproot things, tries to steal things. So we have to recognize just as previously that in the previous parable, the birds were the devil. That was the enemy trying to take away God's word from becoming real in our life. Now we, re we recognize and see that there is another enemy, and it's other people. And I think this is where we get in big, big trouble. Because when we see the enemy, we want to do what Jesus, what the servants wanted to do. Two things that the servants did. We read, number one, whenever the seeds were planted... The Bible says, we read that, that they went to sleep and things began to grow. And when things began to grow, then the weeds or the tares were visible. So they weren't visible right away, but they became visible as things began to happen. 
And so the, thi- the, the servants did what we all do when we see things not right. What they did was say this. <laughs> they said, Master, didn't you, didn't you uh, sow good seeds? Like they're saying, Master, why did you sow weeds? Like they blamed the master for sabotaging his own field. And before you go judging these servants, how many times have you blamed, blamed your master for some of the things that the sons of the evil one came and did? Because what happens is when things go bad, we say, God, why? Why did you let this happen? Why did you allow this? Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? And we put the blame on God. And we read here that the owner said, I didn't do that. That is, that is a great revelation. Because what happens in this world is not all from the hand of God. There are horrible things that happen in this world. There are wicked and evil people in this world. And even to go further, there are evil and wicked people within the church. Don't look left or right. Have you ever been burned or stabbed by a Christian? If you haven't, how many people have you burned and stabbed? <laughs> but there are wicked people, and we, and we recognize this in real life. They are among us. And once we realize that God, okay, this was not your doing. This was the devil's doing. Then what do we want to do? We want to go and say, okay, God, why don't you take care of them? God, why don't you expose them? Why don't you kind of like kill them, pluck them out, get rid of them? Why don't we just go ahead and do what we need to do? And Jesus is saying, wait, wait, wait. It's not for you to do those things. Let them be where they are. Oh, that is so hard to hear for us Christians. Because we want to surround ourselves with like-minded people. Just me and my Christian crew. And then someone who is like almost evil comes around. We're like, move them away. Like, you're not one of us. Failing to acknowledge that Judas was there throughout most of Jesus' ministry. It doesn't mean that you just allow a person to unravel everything in your life. But what it means is not up to you. To begin to place judgment or to try to uproot people from where they are. Let God do that because you don't know where this person is. Sometimes a person is causing so much trouble and they just don't know. They're still growing. God is still working in them. And here you are comparing someone who's begun their life with your flourished, mature life. And you're like, oh, he calls him a Christian. (laughs) And we project what we think a person is or should be 
based on where we are, and we try to put them in our, in our field. And Jesus is like, you know, leave them alone. Some of them are pure evil, and, and that's going to be evident. Some of them are just learning. They're stumbling. They're searching so it doesn't look pretty. It gets dirty. They'll offend you. They'll, they'll make you kind of want to not, not come to church. They're going to make you want to try to gossip about them instead of praying for them. So God's like, leave them alone. Leave them alone. And that's what we need to do. We need to just leave other people alone. <laughs> Let God do what God needs to do in their life. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying just kind of like, oh, just ignore them, let them do. No, you, we talk, you hang out, you advise, you counsel, you pray for them, you do what you're supposed to do, and this develops the fruit of the Spirit within you, love, patience, kindness. Maybe that's why God has these people in, mixed in within us is because he's trying to develop us. And we're asking God to take care of them, and God's like, I'm trying to work on you. Whether or not they, they, they end up with me or not, it's not on your concern. But let their um, faults strengthen your spirit and your gifting. Let love be worked out in you. Because love is not worked out when you're surrounded by people who love you and who you love back. Love is worked out when you're around a person where you just want to... And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about... <laughs> They were other adults who should know better, and they come in and they do reckless things. And then you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you're like, ah, and then you walk away, you're like, wow, I just lost my Christianity. No, God's just trying to beat certain things out of you still so that you can conform to his image and his likeness. God could, and he will, at one swoop, everything will be made right, but not yet. So just know that there are Judases. And they will be here. God's not going to take, take care of them right now. Because God is long-suffering. And in due time, there will be justice. But in the meantime, don't blame the owner. There's a devil, and he's at work. And sometimes how this happens, you know, because there are people who are like evil, and, and it's obvious. But sometimes what happens is that the people believe certain counterfeit things, counterfeit aspects. Um, one of the biggest things is that people take Scripture out of context, for example. So they pervert, the, pervert God's Word, and then they follow a teaching maybe that they read in the Bible. And so God's still trying to work on them, but we don't know that. We're, you know, they're, they're teaching falsehoods, and we, try, we, we condemn them too quickly and, and ask God to remove them. And maybe they're just, you know, God's working on, on the fact that they, they're taking some Scripture out of context, um, for example. And so just a little bit of a tip that if you don't want to be taken advantage by the devil or take scripture out of context or, or misapply scripture, um, because when you do that, when you don't know the Bible, the devil, it will come and devour you. Maybe a lot of things that you see in your life that's not panning out so great is because the devil has come and he has devoured you because you don't know scripture. Because you have not allowed the seed to come in and really bear fruit. So my, my suggestion, and this would be like a, another little... Um, advertising for the chrono chronological reading. And I hope that this chronological reading thing is just like your base. If this is all you're reading, I'm glad and that's great. But go ahead, um, read more. But, here, but here's the thing that I, want, that I want to say. If you don't want Satan to devour you, then devour the scripture. Eat up of the wealth that God has provided. Um, Fourth or, fourth or fifth thing that, we, that I see here is that, that there will be a reckoning. 
and I mentioned this, but it's not going to come from your hand. God will make all things right. And God already said, Jesus already said, that the one who's going to really uproot all these weeds and tears is not going to be you or even God. It's going to be the angels. Like God's going to come send the angels because he's afraid that if he uproots someone right now, it may cause some of the ones who are growing great and who are um, wheat to also be uprooted together. And we see this happening a lot in churches where if, if a bad apple is, gets plucked out, uh, there's a lot of followers that also get plucked out and can also be lost. And maybe you're one of them too. Maybe you're thinking like, oh, we should eliminate this person. But then if this person gets eliminated, you're like, oh, this was wrong. And then you follow this other person. <laughs> and then maybe you can get uprooted. So God's like, no, no, in my time, there will be a reckoning, and I'm going to send my angels to do it. So whenever everything gets laid out, once we're in here, things are not as what they should be. But the day is coming where everything will line up. The king of kings is going to be exposed. And like I said in the beginning, every knee will bow. Everyone's going to be exposed. All the injustices, they will become and, be, and, and the justice will. Uh, will prevail. And what I would want to encourage you is don't be discouraged or worried about the tears in the weeds. The owner isn't. Did you catch that? Like, like the owner's like, oh yeah, you know, the servants are like, we need to uproot them. We need to kind of let's take care of them. And Jesus is like, just leave them. Just leave them. Do you know why? And I think, I think this is uh, agriculturally correct. But um, once you're a wheat, you cannot become a tear again. So God's not worried with those people where the seed has taken root in their life. Now, as I'm wrapping up, what I want to tie in is this. There's a reason why God, or why Jesus, when he was talking about these parables, he started with the first parable and explained it about God's word and the condition of our hearts. And, you know, maybe we're waiting for God to send us into the world but the reality is, is that God is wanting for us to prepare our hearts first because we have not received what God wants to give using you and me. We, you know, when you come in, you have, you, there's this big, these, this phrase in, in white on the green wall, God through you. God through you. And that is a powerful vision on our, in our mind because I believe that God wants to use everyone and do things through us. And the truth of the matter is, is that God through you is like a vision of, you know, trying to paint a future of what could be. And before God takes us on a journey, He has to come in and do something in us. He has to do something in us. And so I think this is why it's, it's really amazing that He talked about the souls of the heart because He completely exposed us. And we talked about this last year, but I, uh, last week, but I want to tie this in because... Because maybe some of us here, we know that God's word, God's seed has been maybe planted and some, some of the seed has taken root in some of our good soil 
And we also talked about last week that we have some of our aspects in our life. Maybe it has some, you know, thorny or rocky soil in our heart. And what I, what, what I was just kind of convic convicted of, like this morning, just thinking about this message, is that God still is wanting to give us a heart check today. He wants us to acknowledge the areas in our life that we need to work on and maybe acknowledge areas in our life where things are going good and God is moving, God is working. And so what I want to do is I, I, I want to um, suggest that God is going to convict you and he's not going to convict you to shame you. But God wants to convict you so that you and I can reposition our heart. We can reposition ourselves so that whenever God speaks to us in seed form, it will take root within our lives, within our hearts. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to release the pastoral care right now. And, and there's going to be three things that I want to kind of, uh, kind of talk about as we do this. Because what we really need to do is, you know, the owner and the savior and king jesus who is the one who has the seed he's also the one that can reposition our hearts to receive the seed he's also the one that's not gonna just go into your life and begin to make a make things happen in your life jesus has to be invited in and so what i would want you to do because i know one thing for sure is that we all have soils in our hearts that are good we all have souls in our hearts that are rocky or thorny or just hard and so we're gonna ask Jesus right now to reposition our hearts and so I want every person to close their eyes and there are three aspects of our hearts number one what I want to do and this is a prayer that you that you pray and we're, we're just gonna pray over you and believe is you invite Jesus to heal the broken parts of your heart. Maybe your heart is where your heart is because it's been broken. We live in a broken world, and a broken world breaks our heart sometimes. And so our heart may be shattered and broken. And Jesus' heart was also broken so that he can come and make our hearts whole. And so maybe some of you are carrying a broken heart and what you need to do right now is to just say, Jesus, I invite you to heal my broken heart. Jesus, we invite you to heal our broken hearts this morning. Maybe your heart's broken by relationships or tragedy of some sort. Maybe your heart has been broken by loss or maybe rejection or the things that you've done in the past. Just invite Jesus to come in and heal those broken aspects of our hearts. Maybe you're disappointed with God. Just invite Him into your life right now because maybe His disappointment is triggering you to go deeper in relationship with him second thing maybe your hearts are hard because we also live in a very hard 
world and the, this hard world tends to also harden our hearts. And our hearts may be hardened by sin. Maybe our hearts are hardened by doubt. Maybe by disobedience, maybe by self-protection. We just want to shun everyone out, close everyone out, and not expose ourselves to people so that we are not broken again, we're not hardened again. So maybe you've had a life that, that just caused your, your heart to become really, really hard. So just invite Jesus. He has the power to soften your heart right now, right now, right now. This very moment could be your breakthrough moment to say, Jesus, soften my heart. Soften my heart. But you got to invite him. You got to invite him. Maybe your heart is cold. Maybe you're numb to your life, to your future, because we live in a cold world as well. And when you're surrounded by a cold world, your heart becomes cool and cool and cool. And when our hearts become cold, it means that love has escaped. We don't have love for our Father, for one another. And the world has taken that warmth, love, and just chilled it to the bone. And so maybe you're just cold. And God is convicting you right now that that is you. Again, the task is this simple. You just invite Jesus because His love will warm your heart right back up. I just want to tell you that no heart is too far gone for Jesus to reposition. These two parables are that powerful. So right now, just continue on as the band's here and the, and the pastoral care team is out here. If you need someone to pray with you during this song, invite Jesus to begin a work within your heart. Invite Jesus to begin to reshuffle, reposition, soften your heart, warm your heart, or make your heart that's broken, make it whole again, and heal your heart. Because what we really need to do, we need to position ourselves to receive the seed, and so that then we can become seed that God sends out.